to Talking Supply Chains. In each episode, top supply chain industry professionals and the nation's top thought leaders join host Brian Strait and share their unique insights to help supply chain managers stay one step ahead of their competition. This is Talking Supply Chain. Hello and welcome to Talking Supply Chain. I'm your host, Brian Strait, and today we are diving into the world of education, or more specifically, supply chain education. In the July issue of Supply Chain Management Review, we talked about how executive education is changing, how the growth of online platforms, the need to address rapid changes in the supply chain, and more disruptions are taking place these days, um, are making continuing education more important than ever for executives. But education across the board, from the university level all the way through advanced career education, is changing. And it pays as well. The, the Association for Supply Chain Management's 2023 Supply Chain Salary and Career Report found that individuals who hold supply chain-related associates, bachelor's, or master's degree earn an average of $30,000 more per year than the national average American salary. So clearly, being educated in the supply chain is going to pay for you. Our guest today is at the forefront of the supply chain and has been for quite some time. Dr. Richard Kilgore is now an Associate Professor of Management and Business Administration at Maryville University in Missouri. He teaches courses in business statistics, supply chain management, and business policies. Previously, he was an industrial consultant for Boeing and British Aerospace, among other global businesses, and has areas of expertise in capacity planning and large quantitative models that we use for supply chain forecasting and planning. Dr. Kilgore has seen the supply chain from many angles, and he's now been seeing it for the last 17 or so years from an educational perspective as well. Dr. Kilgore, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, as I mentioned, you've had quite the career history, um, both on the educational side and in, in practice as well. Um, I was wondering, um, you could talk a little bit about more about your background. I'm particularly interested, uh, you know, one of the things that you guys, you were kind of at the forefront of is kind of data analytics in one of your previous positions. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about your background and, and how you ended up where you are now today. I'll be glad to. Now we only have 30 minutes, so I'll try to give you the five minute version. <laughs> uh, the the um, thing for me was I was exactly at the right place at the right time, location wise on the quad at Penn State University. When my operations management professor said, come with me, we're gonna see a new thing called the IBM PC. And the professor who had that PC was building the first operations process simulation language to build models of processes uh, for logistics and supply chain management as well as manufacturing. So back in 19, what was it, 84, I guess it was, I started the career in computer simulation of manufacturing and supply chain systems where I got to go around the world and see how these systems were being implemented to see what the plans were gonna be for changing them and then to try to build quantitative models of these plans so people could ask what if questions in advance. Mm -hmm. So I just had the ideal preparation to learn not just how supply chain management is done in a textbook, but actually to see it being done in automotive industries, healthcare industries, defense industries, dog food industries, you name it. I probably was either built a model in it or built a model for a subcontractor that led to uh, uh, some changes in that industry. Yeah. So that led to a, uh, uh, an industrial career in the process simulation business, but I always was a, a teacher by heart. And when Boeing and McDonnell Douglas combined in uh, my town of St. Louis, Missouri, and I saw two paths ahead. One was to be on a plane to Seattle all the time, or the other <laughs> to be in a classroom teaching what I knew. And a very wise professor told me, to be good in this business, you have to be a sponge. 
You have a period where you're going to be soaking in things, and then you have a period you're going to be squeezing them back out. And I've tried to follow that in all of my career planning to have that time where I'm both learning new things and then sharing it through education. Yeah. And now, just to be clear, Seattle is a fine city. Um, <laughs> There's nothing so, wrong with Seattle. It's the, on the airplane. In it's between. on the airplane, yeah. <laughs> so um, you, you mentioned a sponge, um, and, and that, was, that leads nicely into my next question that I, I had for you, um, which is, I mean, you spent years working in the industry, which I, I know a lot of professors do. I mean, that, that's a very common path for a lot of people as well. Um, but all that time that you, you've absorbed that, and, and you were at the forefront of some leading technologies in the supply chain. How how did that experience change the way that you approached your teaching today? Um, I mean, is, is, do you bring that some of that experience into your teaching? Well, absolutely. The, the primary thing is it established credibility from the very day one in the class. When I could point to some of these projects that I had personally worked on that the students were very familiar with, like a C-17 program or a Barnes Jewish hospital system in St. Louis, and I could uh, explain to them exactly all the things that I knew about this profession that their high school guidance counselor did not. And some of the things you did about salary surveys and things like that, and the opportunity to put um, a variety of skills that were teaching them into work and differentiating themselves in my class from other students that would be taking a less skilled professor's course at another university. So I was selling them on the, the, the whole idea of being in supply chain management before we even had a supply chain management major. Um, things like that really do resonate with students that they see, oh, he's just not talking from the textbook. He's talking from practical experience. And for a large part of the time, I was still doing consulting part-time while I was in education. So they already knew of internships that I had arranged with prior students and things like that. So having that, uh, you know, what way to say, uh, practice what you're preaching, practice what you're teaching is uh, what I was able to convince them that I was uh, very, very prepared to do for them. Yep. We, um, we have all in, in society, right? I think Americans in general have all figured out in the last couple of years what the supply chain is. I, I think most people probably didn't know, right, what it actually did um, until it stopped working a couple of years ago, right? right. And right. then everybody knew what the supply chain was. Um, have you seen from students coming in and whatnot, um, have, have you seen a change in the last couple of years about either one, how many students are interested in getting into supply chain management? Um, classes these days, or maybe the enthusiasm that they're, they have for the classes compared to, say, 10 years ago? Absolutely. Uh, like they say in the uh, public relations, uh, what is it? There's no bad, no bad publicity. All publicity, no bad publicity. publicity all, right. So supply chain ma management had that bad publicity, but it did have the benefit of raising that level of interest to, well, why are we having these issues? Who, who are the people that do this? You're seeing interviews on TV with supply chain managers. You not, not, didn't normally see that before. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're hearing articles about supply chain management. So it's uh, being in the literature helps obviously uh, get more attention to the topic. Uh, what's often been the problem with supply chain management, it was tacked on to the end of the operations management course for most business schools. Mm -hmm. So you, you saw in the 1980s and 90s, the attachment of additional chapters that would cover transportation, logistics, purchasing, things like that. And then slowly over the next 20 years, you started seeing the actual topic of supply chain management get added to the title of these textbooks. So now you see it's operations and supply chain management, whereas before it was just operations management with these buried supply chain chapters. 
And now a lot of universities have actually added either additional supply chain electives where it's a, you know, a, a supply chain course on its own, or even a supply chain major where a student can exit with a business degree with a, a supply chain major at places that were uh, forward thinking and started doing that before the demand started then coming for supply chain education. So I don't think we're at the point yet where people are coming to college and saying, you know, hey, I really want to be a supply chain manager. They'll, 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 uh, they'll still fall back on professional programs being either a financial analyst, a uh, accountant, a, um, just a general manager, but they really won't have that uh, uh, education themselves about opportunities in supply chain management and what kind of uh, training they would have to have to, in order to become a um, in-demand person in that field. And like you said, data analytics has changed all this as well. It used to be the supply chain management was done over the phone and by email and things like that. And, and the opportunity to do quantitative planning simply wasn't there because we didn't have the information to do the planning with. But yeah. now we have all this feedback from all sorts of processes throughout our firm, and we can get additional information from external sources about sourcing opportunities outside the firm. And over my career, in fact, I was there at Ford Motor Company when the guy walked in the room and said, hey, have you heard the new word? It's called outsourcing. We're not gonna do everything we used to do inside of Ford Motor Company. And I think students are seeing that now that outsourcing and, uh, a lot of companies are trying to do less on their own and find other competent partners to help them with that. And that's going to be the skill they need is working with these partners. Yeah. You, you, you stole a little bit of my thunder and a follow-up question later. So I'll get to it now. Um, and that, that was um, the idea that, you know, supply chain classes used to just be tacked on to a, a, a business degree. And, and I wanted to ask you about, about that and, Obviously, supply chain is big business these days. Um, universities certainly going to respond to that as well, right? And, and and add more classes and courses in that space. Um, do we need to do more at a university level to elevate supply chain to a degree by itself in many cases, or is it sufficient to be part of a, a business, you know, program? Well, when I think um, we get to the end of this, hopefully, I'll have time to talk about supply chain education in the future. But okay. the the difficulties we're having now is having faculty and textbooks and resources in the traditional sense that are relevant to the way supply chain management is being done in industry here in the United States and elsewhere. And it is a difficult process to staff these courses with people that have that experience. It, 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 it's the experience I had 20 years ago isn't relevant to the teaching I need to do now. Yeah. And unless you have, uh, you know, experienced supply chain managers with spare time in their hand that want to teach at the local university, we're very often getting tenured professors who have been there 10, 15 years. And the textbooks from those tenured professors that have been there 10 or 15 years. And it's very difficult to build that curriculum and build that course content that I think supply chain managers would like to see us teaching. Yeah. Every time you see a new textbook come out, they say that they've talked to supply chain managers in the preparation of the textbook. But if you look at the material that's actually in these textbooks, I don't think it's as relevant as they think it is. It's the convenient relative is what I call it. The part of the, uh, the easy problems to solve, not the more difficult ones that these supply chain managers aren't sharing with them because they're not solving these problems themselves on a consistent basis in their own operations. So they don't know what to tell the professor in terms of how to solve it globally for all operations. Yeah. 
and that that's that's feeded uh, that, that's fed into another industry, right? That's the startup industry. That's why we have so many startup companies, right? Um, I mean, they got all these problems to solve, and and everybody's jumping in and throwing money at these problems and trying to solve them. And and I suppose eventually that kind of works its way back to the the, the educational portion as well. Um, exactly. Um, what we've seen is that you know typically a business like Ford try to do as much as it could uh, by itself and in source. Uh, all their processes and services and things like that. And now we've seen the next phase come along where that's the the bad way of doing business. And the best way is to find your core competency and then offload all that to startup businesses that have that competency that can do it better than you and uh, are experts in that various uh, sub process that you're trying to outsource. Yeah. So you're seeing that interest as well. Um, that instead of going to be a supply chain manager for a larger firm, you're seeing a lot of interest, especially I'm out here in Colorado now and do a lot of uh, work with startups at University of Colorado Boulder. And you're seeing these students already at sophomore, junior year saying to themselves, well, I don't want to do that for that big company. I'd like to do it as a small firm contracting that service to the big company. So tell me more about those services that are, uh, you know, unique things that have not been outsourced before like data analytics. I have a number of uh, students that are interested in their own data, data analytics companies because they see the, uh, especially with AI tools coming into the mix, they see an opportunity to um, uh, outsource the entire data analytics uh, function for many businesses. So you know, I try to train that internally. I, I wanna create my own startup to do data analytics for supply chain management for multiple firms. Yeah. I've seen that my own son, he's, my son's not in supply chain, obviously. My, my son's a teenager in high school at the moment, and he wants to get into sports management and work, you know, for a team in the front office someday down the road. And, and he's looking at it and saying, hey, what, what careers do I explore in college? What education path do I take? And he's looking at data analytics, you know, right? I mean, Very good. It, right. it's, it's changing all industries, right? I mean, a supply chain is, is one of them, obviously. In, in his case, it's sports. I mean, front office people now, you know, they want people with data backgrounds, right, to help quantify, quantify what the players are worth and, and, and which ones are the best bets. And um, Well, I so encourage him to come to Maryville University in St. Louis and start <laughs> in our sports business management program where we have a quantitative emphasis throughout the curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> I will mention that to him because he's compiling lists these days as it is. So okay. um, back, back to our topic and, the, and, the, and supply chain education. Um, the, one of the things that we, we've seen the last couple of years, as we met, touched on already, is all the rapid changes from disruption, the COVID disruption, and the resulting supply chain issues and whatnot. Um, it's also changed the way education is provided as well. I mean, the, we didn't have as many, we didn't have in-person for a while, and we did not. Can you, can you talk a little bit about some of the trends that you're seeing in that regard as far as the type of education that's being provided these days in the way that it's being provided? Right. Well, um, you know, online, has, online education has changed everything in higher education. It is a uh, emerging disruption. I don't know where it's actually gonna lead to. I'm in the midst of it and I saw it from the very beginning. I think I had one of the first uh, online courses in St. Louis at St. Louis University where I was teaching as an adjunct at the time. And I've seen it you know, progress over that 20 year period to where it is now. And I'm really excited about some of the opportunities that AI based online education might have because I wanna put myself out of business. I have good days and bad days. I have great days that I don't record. And AI could capture those great days for me and great days from other professors like me and great uh, techniques from other schools that we can actually 
you know, use the feedback loop of, of examinations and, and skill testing to see what's working best for the limited time we might have in online education. Yeah. So uh, the fact that most online educators figured out how to do it on their own, and we weren't really educated into how to do online education, I think that's going to lead to a great opportunity for someone to organize and remove the professor as a, uh, well, he'll still, still, still be there. You know, you have to have that human interaction at some point, but to take away a lot of the burden we have to be on every time we're preparing a curriculum or preparing a lecture or responding to a discussion question or trying to maintain contact with our students throughout the week. So um, the big thing I saw was that online education, especially in the business school, uh, created the desire for many students to take those required courses online. Uh, a lot of my student population, I don't have statistics on it to share with you, but I bet everyone agrees with it. I have more working students than ever, and the trend is going upward. Students are not waiting until they get their degree to get a job. And I get a lot of students who already have interest in supply chain management because of that. They're being exposed to it in their workplace. But the uh, challenge is that they don't have the time because they're all also working a full-time job. I don't have the student that has, you know, a full uh, work uh, work week to themselves to come to class and, and do homework and things like that. So we're trying to condense these courses into accelerated offerings. And we're trying to appeal to this new group of students that wants to take their core courses online to save time to take their major courses in class. That's been the uh, philosophy they came up with on themselves. You know, the, the customers are always right in this case. Yeah. They decided I don't I have limited time because I'm working. So what I'm going to do is wait and, and take all my major courses where I can meet that professor, have that internship opportunity, uh, you know, develop that uh, ability to talk the talk, not just read the talk. And uh, uh, I'm getting the challenge then of doing all these required courses in an accelerated eight week online course. And all the other university people I talk to around the country at conferences and things, they have the same challenge. We're trying to get it done in a shorter period of time, and we're doing it with less personal interaction and engagement. And that's where we really were successful in the past for many of us. That's why we were attracted to education. We're excited about the topic. We wanted to share that. We wanted to, to motivate students. And it's very difficult to do that in the online setting as well as it is in the in-class setting. So that's been my personal challenge is to either get those students to take the course uh, on ground in front of a full-time professor uh, versus trying to do a better job at delivering it online in an asynchronous sort of way that we do, where I don't have discussions of everyone in the class at the same time. We're all reading each other's discussions at various times during the week. And I just don't have that same, um, uh, uh, that same special sauce as it were to the hamburger <laughs> that I had when I had that hamburger teaching it in, inside the classroom. Yeah, and that, I mean, it's, there's two things in there that I, I, I think that, that are curious to me, right? And I don't, I don't know the answers to these, but um, we, we've always talked, the first one is, we've always talked for years and years about relationships in business, right? And how much relationships matter right. um, in, in business. So as more of this education takes place online, you're losing, as you mentioned, it's a challenge you're facing, right? You're losing that one-to-one -one kind of interaction, that mentorship, and that relationship building, if you will. And, and so it's got to be challenging to try to build that relationship in a much shorter period of time. Exactly, because right. you learn that yourself by watching other relationships. You, you, you were in a classroom and you saw 
uh, an antagonistic relationship between two students in a group. Yeah. And you learn from that experience how to avoid something like that or how to manage that. If you're not exposed to as many of those opportunities, then obviously you're going to have to read about them. And the word relationship is something that's very difficult to read about. You have to yeah. experience those things. And so, you know, for years I had a soccer coach in college that kept telling me I would learn more in the dormitory than I ever learn in class. Yeah. And, and with online education, it's difficult to, you know, repeat those relationship building experiences like we were in the on-ground uh, universities. And, 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 and that just said, I, I think it would also, it, it will have an impact, I assume, going forward on those first jobs out of college, right? When the companies come back and say, hey, what can you tell me about this student as a reference? Absolutely. I don't know. He, he looked good on screen. He never turned into a turnip. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. What, what do we know about the student? Yeah, that, that's been an issue. And um, it is one that I think we're going to have to solve some way with um, more video interaction during these online courses or more group work, you know, just, just bite the bullet and tell them, look, I know it's not popular, but we're going to have to all meet at the same time for an hour to do this group exercise. And if you're not there, you don't get the grade and you don't get the you know, course credit. So, uh, uh, you know, there'll be challenges there. But once again, I think that I'm, I'm really uh, hoping that I can have an on online AI assistant who might even be a, a video, uh, I mean, an actual uh, uh, a droid of some sort that talks to you, you know, rather than, than being a, a just a voice yeah. so that you have, uh, you know, a, an assistant with you that's helping you understand the topic as you're going through it and an assistant that will dialogue with you as you're trying to solve a problem saying, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And somehow replicate and simulate the group experience without having group members. You know, these would be AI group members rather than being actual individuals from the class. And and I think the other the other thing that I, as you were speaking that I came to my came to my head is is the online component of this makes it easy for anybody to offer this content right and and I wonder how much competition is coming out there now for you from the for universities from for profit companies that say hey we can offer courses on this online you know we can do this and is is that changing the landscape of of what the educational uh, component looks like for the student, right? I mean, do they, you know, yeah, are, are they locked into the university still to do, get this degree or can they just go somewhere else and get a certificate in this, spe this specialty in the supply chain? Right. Well, you're teeing up exactly what I'm thinking when I talk through the supply chain course management of the future. And you mentioned executive education and your current issue yep. and it really ties into that as well. I think if you can visualize it right now, the new world of higher education is really going to be a merger of executive education and the old fashioned higher education. I think that very soon people are going to realize both consumers in higher education, meaning the parents and things like that, yeah. that there are opportunities for my child to get a degree by going and getting employment first and then having that employer take care of supplying that higher education. And I think there are a lot of employers out there that are seeing the same thing rather than having to retrain these four-year graduates that have been sitting pretty much idle for four years in their, you know, in their mind, they're not doing anything to help me. I want them right now out of high school. And if they're willing to take that, uh, that risk, I'm going to give them internal education resources, online, self-directed, uh, self whatever it might be. Again, AI comes up in there as well. I'll give them internal resources that will replicate and even improve upon what they might get in a four-year traditional college education. 
and it'll be specific training to our industry here so that I can develop a better supply chain manager in two years that's promoted to a salary level that he never thought he would be in as, as a junior in college or she would be in as a junior in college and then uh, just make that process more efficient just like we try to make our own internal processes more efficient in supply chain management why not take that higher education process and look at disruptive ways of changing higher education to being industry education or executive education or whatever you want to call it yeah. but, but make it a uh, less dependent upon a university who really is just a middleman these days between online instructors textbooks and the student you know they they, they take the uh, and I don't want to put my company out of business here. Uh, I think they would be the initial providers of that expertise as to how the company should design these courses and curriculum. Yeah. But I think that uh, changing that whole um, uh, idea that you have to go away for four years to someplace to get a education, if you know specifically what you want to be, that is a opportunity that I believe uh, uh, really exists in supply chain management because the best way to learn it is doing it. I can talk about it all I, I care to, but in each industry, it's different. I you know, had the challenge of my own career doing a model for Boeing with bombs killing people. At the same time, I'm doing a model for the local hospital of curing people while I'm doing a model of the dog food company feeding my pet. And each one of those has similar components, but each one of those industries is completely different when it comes to supply chain management. Yeah. So I, I think we'll finally... Um, realize that we can really improve upon the efficiency of the higher education process by having an industry partner uh, involved in uh, either being the provider of the courses themselves or being a closer partner in terms of customizing the course for a particular student who wants to come work for them. Yeah. And I, I think that ties back probably um, to what you mentioned earlier about um, whether the courses that are being offered are actually providing the the solutions that the companies need these days, right? I mean, if that relationship is closer, then yeah, that, you're, you're getting to that solution quicker, right, for the students? Right. Um, you, you cannot anticipate what those new supply chain management uh, topics will be in time to change your curriculum and courses to include them. So, for yeah. example, in the last three years, we went from um, – supply chain management being what I would call a relationship-based field. We're trying really to change the whole idea of purchasing into having a supply chain partner. And then what you saw globally was the drastic change to risk management being the major topic that the uh, industry wants us to talk about in supply chain management. You know, yeah. we solved the relationship issue. We know how to do that. How can we better manage the risks we now have of pandemics and uh tariffs and political problems and, and even uh, military um, uh, conflicts affecting supply chain. All these risks were things we don't have in our current textbooks and we don't have in our current professors. So a more cooperative approach with industry would get that material into the curriculum quicker and get experienced people who can talk about it relative to their industry, uh, helping students to manage these difficult questions. Yeah. Um, we've only got a couple of minutes left here in our time. I know you wanted to get to a little bit about the future of education here. And I, I think you've probably already touched on that a little bit with the AI kind of approach and what you're looking at. Um, but do you see some other trends in the future that we can look well, for and, and how things may change? Like I said, I think a more educated higher education consumer is emerging that is going to see opportunities to get their 
pre-employment education in a different uh, mode of uh, delivery, whether it might be you know, self-directed courses with AI content, AI-based content, or whether it might be uh, more specific courses that are offered by their you know, potential employers, or maybe an industry certification type of course that they could uh, do on their own for say data analytics, data analytics certification or for um, uh, supply chain management certification, things like that. Um, I also think that of those schools in higher education that are forward thinking, they're going to do a better job of integrating topics like data analytics across the entire curriculum. So from freshman year all through senior year, they're gonna make everybody more aware that data analytics skills are necessary uh, for both uh, processing information as well as preparing reports, as well as doing advanced models to solve big problems. And likewise, use supply chain and quality control examples in their basic accounting courses and their basic economics courses and things like that. So really embrace professional program training uh, to a level we haven't gotten to yet. We still have an accounting department that does the accounting courses. We have the economics department that does the economics courses. And then we have these group of management people over here who are trying to cover five or six different fields, project management, supply chain management, quality management, uh, production management. And none of us really get together enough to prepare a product that I think is as integrated across the curriculum as it eventually will get to. So that's one of my, my big goals of the future. Um, likewise, like you said, we have to do a better job of building simulations into the education process that puts students in a situation that's similar to what their real work world will be. So putting them into problem solving meetings in, in conjunction with each other, putting them in simulations that require decisions over a period of, of weeks or days or months rather than just solving a static problem with a, uh, a formula they read in the textbook. Yeah. Seeing how uncertainty affects these decisions that they make in, in the real world. So building a better um, uh, simulation based education process is also thing I think I think will be enabled by technology yep I the big changes right I mean the, the the industry is changing a lot and it's continuing to change and um, yeah and like you mentioned uh, I have global competition you now a student does not have to take a US course anymore they can find a course being taught in Singapore or China yep. or England and if it's better than the course being taught by Maryville University in St. Louis uh, it's not a matter of uh, going there to take the course, they just have to click on a different button. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, competition breeds success from a lot of people, right? I mean, it's, and, and, and you'll, you'll get better because of it. I'm going to write that down as Let's go. thing I learned today. Competition <laughs> breeds success. <laughs> well, I like to, I like to be smart at least once a day if I can. So, uh, <laughs> All right, sounds good. um, thank you. We're out of time today. Um, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Richard Kilgore of Maryville university. Um, and as always, thank you all for listening until next time. I'm Brian Strait, and this has been talking supply chain. Talking supply chain is produced by supply chain management review and peerless media. You can find it on scmr.com, supplychain247.com, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. For more information on this topic or to sign up for our weekly newsletter, a print or a digital subscription to our publication, visit scmr.com. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For Supply Chain Management Review, I'm Brian Strait, and thank you for listening.